Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. y'all today's podcast is excellent i've got a couple of special guests with me today we've got chad with iraq veteran 8888 which that's so weird for me to say that because i'm eric from the same channel and we've got jessica of combat midwife here with us and today we are going to be doing a flight on jellies and we got some pepper jellies here tomato jelly really cool stuff and i guess in today's podcast as well we're going to get into a little bit about canning uh, preparation, gardening, self-sufficiency. We'll kind of discuss those things as we uh, use the vehicle of tasting jelly to do so. Unfortunately, Matt was not here today to enjoy this Carolina Reaper jelly that I made, which I've been waiting for weeks to try this. Well, we so. saw in the in the previous podcast that uh, Matt had a little bit of a struggle with the hot stuff. Don't think that that is the reason he's not here. He had to go and uh, pick up his daughter. So uh, Chad is going to be sitting in on this particular podcast. And Jessica, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. If you guys haven't checked it out, make sure that you tune in for the full podcast that Jessica and Matt and I uh, did together. Lots of really, really great conversations occurred there. So tune in for that. And we'll have Jessica here uh, as a guest on today's podcast. So um You've been a, a busy, busy little bee, Chad, all of your gardening and canning and, uh, man, like, I don't know, is Martha Stewart around or what? what's going on here? Well, I mean, I do do all the uh, cooking at my house, so not to say my wife isn't a bad cook. She's just not a good cook, but, I mean, she can follow a recipe pretty well, but I usually can look in the pantry and, and, and figure out a meal pretty easily, Um so I, I've always been into cooking and such, and uh, I grew up around agriculture and uh, farming and such. That's kind of my heritage. And uh, my grandmother taught me everything I know about canning. And I haven't done it in a while uh, until this year when this whole pandemic started, um, as we like to say. So uh, that was not a slip of the that tongue. That was not a slip of the tongue. <laughs> no. Uh, but ever since all this mess started, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to start my garden back up. I had a long hiatus uh, for about six or seven years uh, just because we've been so busy as a channel and, you know, trying to do the social media thing and all. And I, I kind of got a little bit, um, I guess I got a little bit uh, consumed in that world to say. Um, and, kind of took my focus off of other things that were maybe a little bit more important. So I'm kind of coming back down to earth, so to speak. Not to say that social media is bad. I mean, because we're, we're all over social media. Social media is a lot of fun, but I took it to a little bit of the extreme. Um, but uh, yeah, I started my garden back up and um, I decided to do a 3,600 square foot plot. So I had like 20 rows that were 60 foot long. And uh, so far this season, uh, by the time this podcast goes up, I mean, the summer, spring and summer season will be over, but I canned about 300 jars and I put up about 100 pounds of squash and zucchini and okra. And I mean, I did pickles, all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, and jellies. And so that's what we're going to be doing in this podcast today is kind of talking about uh, self-reliance and canning, gardening, things that you can do on your own to kind of 
you know, get your own food stores up and about, and you may not have the growing capacity, like especially if you live in a small area or like an apartment or uh, in the city, uh, so to speak. You can buy things from farmers markets, and uh, you can actually do your own canning in your apartment if you wish. But uh, I made a lot of different jellies uh, this season, and we're going to sample some of them and uh, tell you guys all about it. And uh, we we kind of go from. Uh, the least extreme on up to the, uh, the extreme side of things. We got four different pepper jellies here that we're going to experiment with a little bit. So it's a lot of fun. So for the people that are listening, what exactly constitutes a jelly? What is jelly at so its core? Jelly, jelly is something a little bit specific. Uh, you have jellies and jams you've probably seen in the store. So jelly is more of uh, the liquid, okay, like the juice from a particular type of fruit. So say you have a strawberry jelly, uh, you will have the je- uh, strawberries cooked down and uh, they will be strained and you will have just the juice, the liquid. And then from there you will add... Uh, sugar, and in some cases, depending on the fruit, you will add some sort of uh, pectin to it, uh, unless the fruit itself, like muscadines or grapes or scuppernongs, has enough pectin in it to actually gel. And uh, you boil it to a certain point, it gets up to about 220 degrees, and it reaches that gel point. And uh, you just get it to the right consistency, and then you start canning it in the jars, and you drop it in a, a boiling water bath for about 10 minutes. And uh, after that, you're you're good to go. So it just it's literally liquid uh, fruit juice that's gelled. And, uh, you know, once it cools off, it turns into jelly. Um, jams are more of the entire fruit that's just crushed. So you get some of the pulp and some of the seeds and things like that in there. Um, so it's a little bit more, um, of, a a fullness to the, to the jam than the jelly is. Some people prefer the, the jam because it spreads easier, but I usually take the jelly and I just stir it up. Yeah, and I the jam, the jams would have more of a, a fruity consistency. They would right. they, more of the be, textures of each lo- of the of the fruit that that, that it comes. Absolutely, they have a little bit more texture to them. They wouldn't. Jellies are all the kind of the same consistency. Jams are pretty much the same consistency as well, but they're a thicker consistency. So, and it's it's a little bit less wasteful too, because with the with the jellies, you're actually throwing away a good bit of the pulp and such. So the jams actually use more of the uh, fruit in question. So the- you're actually saving a lot and you're using more and you're actually getting a little bit more uh, um, yield, so to speak. So I'm a but, jam person. Yeah. So jam's your jam, huh? Jam's my jam. <laughs> All right. So in terms of the gardening aspect of things, you know, um, self-sufficiency Especially, I mean, we're here in 2020 in recent years, especially, but now with all of the craziness going on, self-sufficiency has become much, much more of an important paradigm for people. And I think that there's a wider variety of people that are looking to be self-sufficient, especially when it comes to food and like, especially in in Jess's case, you know, um, medical readiness has gotten to be a much more important thing for people. So you think that that's a general assumption that is pretty safe to say it's true across the board? I, w- I would hope so. I, I mean, I think I think people have definitely been leaning that direction. I mean, I have my favorite places I purchase my seeds from, and and I mean, things are back ordered, ridiculous. Like, you, 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 there are some there are some fruits and vegetables you can't get your hands on right now. Like, don't even get me started on garlic. I still haven't gotten my garlic in that I ordered three months ago. 
Yes. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's 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 completely backordered. I, I, everything just says out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. And it, hasn't there been like a, a seed back order? Yes. Too? Like seeds are hard to get? Yeah, I have a pretty decent collection. <laughs> That's a funny thing to say. Mm. It's just a collection of seeds. Uh, but I, there are things that you just cannot get your hands on or your... You know, if the if you if you see on social media that a certain like Hudson Valley seeds or, uh, you know, Jimmy John seeds or whatever, they're posting that hey, we only have a certain amount of ba- like I'm buying everything, like whatever I can get my hands on, I'll just I'll just purchase it. Right on. I yeah. I would I think it's safe to say that with the way our society's going, you know, when you look at all of the people there saying, oh, well, we got to defund the police, and and you see all these like you know five million new gun owners that are out there now. And growing, right? That number is is probably likely much, much higher. Uh, that's only 5 million NICS checks that we know about. So it's safe to say that people are wanting to take not only their safety into their own hands, but also, um, you know, feeding their families, you know, uh, medical preparedness, all of these things. I think that, like, back in the 80s, there was this really big movement for, like, the whole prepper idea. It was a huge thing. They would have, like big old seminars and and just tons of information that was out there. And the prepper community was really, really, really hot and heavy back in the 80s. It was a big thing, a big movement, right? And then that movement sort of like died down for a while. And movements, good or bad, it seems like they sort of die and resurface like every 30 or 40 years, maybe 50 years, depending on what it is. So it seems like right now there's been a huge resurgence uh, in the sort of prepper mentality. Now, not like the doomsday prepper type of thing like that was probably more prevalent in the 80s. But now it's more of a just general preparation in terms of, you know, disaster. You don't know if, uh, you know, your local town's going to get looted and burned down. And now you, you can't go to the store and get the things that your family needs. So I think there's a general idea that people are wanting to be better prepared in, in many different ways. Well, those children of the 80s have grown up. Right. And so they're now they're now probably having children of their they have children of their own. And so they're thinking back to, you know, what did my mom and dad do? Well, they bought, you know, they bought 20 pounds of rice. And I think more I'm one of those children of the 80s. And I'm thinking more back to what my grandparents did because they grew up in the, uh, you know, in the 20s and 30s and 40s, uh, you know, through the Great Depression stuff. They were children during the Great Depression. And, um, you know, they. My, my grandmother always likes to say that they lived on the farm and off the farm because, you know, they did go to school. However, when they got up in the morning before school, they had chores to do. They had animals to tend to. They had gardens to tend to. They had gardens in the spring and summer, fall and winter. Uh, Georgia, where we are, is a, uh, I think we're in zone eight, if I'm not mistaken. Zone seven or zone eight, I can't recall. But we have a very long growing season compared to some places up north. And uh, there's only a few months out of the year where we really can't grow anything. But if you do cold frame gardening, which is a completely different thing, you can grow stuff year round, which is a whole other aspect. And it's probably something out of the scope of this particular podcast. But um, it's something that I'm going to experiment with the first time this year. So we'll probably do an update to this maybe uh, you know next year at some point. I'm sure. To give you guys a, an idea of how that went. But, um, you know, I learned, every, like I said, I learned everything I know about canning and gardening stuff from my grandparents. And uh, I, I like to think that, um, you know, like Eric mentioned just a minute ago about sort of a, a cultural renaissance. All right. You think back at like fashion. Okay. Look at, look at the fashions of today. Well, they're, they're sort of retro fashions that you would have seen back in the seventies and eighties kind of coming back to light. 
So I'd like to think that maybe we're having a little bit of a cultural renaissance as far as self-reliance and self-sufficiency as well. And uh, given recent events, um, you know, not being able to go to the grocery store and buy what you need, uh, you know, people panic buying and such, you know, uh, especially folks who shop like on a daily basis, they're not prepared for this kind of thing. So having a good supply of food, uh, you know, especially food that you can reproduce, okay, from seed, that's the biggest thing. Um, Jessica mentioned, you know, the seed stores and things like that being out of particular seeds throughout the year because there was such a demand for it this year that was unprecedented. Uh, canning jars, uh, you know, you couldn't find canning supplies. You couldn't even find pressure canners, you know, or boiling water bath canners. Uh, they were just non-existent because everybody was getting into it, just like everybody was getting into sourdough bread starters. That was a big thing. Okay, so everybody wanted to do their own sourdough bread. Yeah, like in the 90s, there was this big push for people to make their own bread, those bread machines and stuff. This is without a bread machine, though. This is sourdough starter that you can start without yeast. It uses wild yeast, as they call call it. Uh, You don't have to go to the store and buy a packet of yeast. It's literally flour and and, and water, water, more or less. And then just wait. Sewing machines were out of stock, too. Like I, I couldn't find a sewing machine to save my life. Um, at all, I'm I'm waiting for the the hand me down sewing machine from my mama, and uh, it's not mine yet. So I was like, oh, I'll just go purchase myself a sewing machine, thinking I'll, I'll start to hone in on my skills that I learned as a as a girl. And you can't find a sewing machine to save your life. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, people are starting to think like this is this is important, and we should probably pay attention to this. Not depend on the system, and let's depend on ourselves, and kind of. What 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 can I do in my little circle to improve our resiliency uh, in the world and not have to rely on outso- outside influences or outside sources? What can we do to kind of compress that and and be more of our own little entity and supply everything that we need? Uh, you know, there's there's no there's nothing to say that you can't use modern technology to your advantage. I mean, I, I love the internet. The internet is a great resource. I mean, you have the entire encyclopedia Britannica at your fingertips. Uh, I mean, and, and more, I mean, when I was growing up, if we had an encyclopedia set or I had the volume library, that was our source of information. The internet did not exist. Yeah. And the okay. old farmers, almanacs and a- things like that. Absolutely. Um, but now you have that technology at your fingertips. So use it, learn, I mean, there are so many resources out there, YouTube videos, uh, plenty of online articles and things like that, and online blogs about gardening, canning, self-reliance, sewing, taking care of things yourself, all these old school uh, ways of life that, that were just everyday things back in the day, back in your grandparents' Lost day. arts. Yeah, seriously, lost arts. They, they're they getting more prevalent today, and I think people are kind of having, like I said, that renaissance. I keep going back to that that term, but it is kind of like a renaissance of of the old ways. It's it's like, I like to say, I'm kind of moving back in time, you know, in certain aspects of my life. Yeah, I mean, you, you grow up, you get a little bit more mature, and um, you, you start thinking about things that are truly important, and you kind of put the things that aren't really important to the side and just and get them out of your life. I mean, especially when you start having you know a family and such, which I have a few kids, and um, you know my little circle is very very important to me, and I want to make sure that as a man of the house, as a toxic male, that I am providing for my family in the best way that I can possible. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate your toxic masculinity. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that this jelly is toxic. 
No. Absolutely Why don't not. we sample the first cracker? All right. So the first cracker is a pear jam. Okay. So I made this from Bartlett pears that were sourced on Eric's property here. Uh, he and John, our, uh, our helper, brought me two five-gallon buckets of pears. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with these pears? So I was like, well, I thought about canning a bunch of them. But the last time I canned whole pears, I didn't really use them that much. I used them for uh, some uh, some pies, and I used them for some uh, pear cobbler, but um, I never really tried like doing jelly with them or jam, so I decided, okay, I'm going to try some pear jam. And uh, I was going to use the uh, peelings for pear honey, but I never got the chance to because we got so busy, and the, the peelings and such that I had stored in the fridge, they just got kind of a little bit too old, yeah. so they kind of went to waste, but I put them in the compost pile, so really they're kind of recycled anyways. Uh, but this is literally just... Pears that I cooked down. I uh, used a hand mixer and I kind of, you know, ground all those things up in the pot as I was cooking them. And it just has sugar and uh, serto in it. So it's also worth pe- noting that I had a giant branch fall off of my pear tree. John and I chopped it up and I used that in my smoker for our meats and stuff. So oh, pear for, is excellent smoking. Yeah, pear wood, wood is a great smoking wood yeah. as well. Who knew? So, so. This is just a, a regular pear jam. This is just super sweet, and it has an excellent flavor. And it's worth noting, too, that uh, Matt's daughter uh, didn't like PB&J sandwiches at all until my pear jam came around. So now she has pear jam and peanut butter sandwiches all the time now. She has for them every day. Outstanding. <laughs> so that makes me feel pretty good that you know, my product is uh, you know edible. Whenever your child approved, it really, it really boosts your ego a bit. Uh, it does, just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's part of that toxic masculinity. It is. <laughs> All right, so let's give it a let's smell it first, okay? Because mm. you know we have to paint a picture of taste and smell for our listeners. Mm. All right, smell. Mm. Smells like pears. Mm, smells, smells like, like pears. pears. All right, All down right. the hatch. All right, I like it because it's not so sugary. I was expecting it to be a little bit too sweet. But I have to say that's just right. And if I had some peanut butter, I would definitely knock out a PB and J. So we usually have <laughs> we usually have the pear jam on homemade biscuits. So my oh. granny taught me how to make biscuits as well. And my my wife, her mama taught her to make biscuits, and they're a little bit different than mine. But she's kind of taken over that role. Um, so I, I'm a perfectionist. I like to cut mine out with a cutter and everything, and make them just right. She just puts them together by hand, and they're just raw and natural, uh, el natural biscuits. Um, but we have the pear jam on that all the time and toast in the morning, and it is excellent. My kids enjoy it, and I hope y'all did too. I'll this is going to be rather unflattering, but my grandmother used to smush them under a boob. <laughs> the pear jam or the biscuits? The biscuits. <laughs> Dude, I can't make that up. Why? I, we don't want to know. I think we should probably just move on. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um the flavor of that of that jelly, it's it's really good. Jam. Like you said, it's yeah, it's not overly sweet. It's jam. It's jam. It's jam. So that that uses the pulp. That uses all the the pear except the peel. The whole and the core. Yeah. Except okay. But the jam itself, really, really good, not too sweet, excellent flavor, and a very delicate flavor. Mm-hmm. And I would say that over a store bought jam. A store-bought jams, it seems like they add a lot of extra sugar, and it's almost like maybe they're trying to compensate for using poor-quality fruit, maybe. That's a good know, hypothesis. Or maybe the fruit is a little older, and they've got to maybe mask some of the 
pungency of it, perhaps, but it doesn't have that processed kind of taste Mm-mm. to it. it. It's got a very delicate flavor. It also does not have all the added preservatives and such that you find in uh, store-bought jams and jellies, because a lot of times those that you can find like sodium benzoate and things like that in there to extend the shelf life. Citric acid. Um, yeah. and- well, so citric acid really isn't a big deal. That just keeps the... Um, like you put citric acid in tomatoes or you can put lemon juice in there just to uh, acidify the product. Right. So but the, the, the process stuff comes from mold. So yeah, not, I mean, it, and we're not talking about the package you stick in your jelly here, yes. but that's the, that's the process stuff mm. that in the, yeah. But yeah, there's no citric acid in this. It's literally just uh, the pectin sugar and then the fruit itself. And right. it's just canned. And, as we've said in other videos, like if you guys follow us on the YouTube channel, we've done a couple of things on self-reliance, and one of those involved gardening and canning, and canned goods will last for years and years and years. We discussed in that video, but there's been cans of food that were brought up from the bottom of the ocean that were 100-plus years old that were still edible. They may not have been the same quality you know, as the day that they were canned, but they are still edible and they are still safe to eat and they will help you to survive in a desperate situation. Um, but these jellies that I, I made 20 pints of this pear jam and I've given a lot of it away, but I mean, I've still got enough to last me until next year at this time. So, I mean, I, I give it away as much as I can because there's just such an abundance of it. How many pounds of pears did you start out with? Uh, I'm not you... sure how many pounds, uh, but it was two five-gallon buckets full of pears. That's a darn. So, that's a pretty good return. It was probably at least forty pounds of pears. I'd say right. at least forty to fifty pounds. So it was a lot. But when I when I can, I can big. So I make Clearly. I make I make a day of it. Clearly, yeah. So, well, uh, another question I would have about that in terms of the yield and everything. Well, not even not even the yield. I guess I'll, I'll backtrack to another area that a thought was going through my mind when I was listening to you talk as well. Is that another the nice thing about like a jam or a jelly or a preserve is that in a really really bad, let's just say, disaster situation or you know a survival situation, you know you're thirty sixty days into a terrible situation. Maybe you're without power. Maybe you're without modern amenities. And I tell you what, you crack open a fresh. You know, a, a fresh jar of jam, it can be a morale boost to it's have some food. sugar. Like, I, I think people tend to undervalue how much having sugar does. Like, it, it, I mean, like our soldiers on the battlefield, you know, back in the day in World War II, you know, they were issued chocolate bars. And, you know, you just got in a terrible situation and maybe even saw your best friend get hurt or killed or, or you had to commit you know, violence towards another person and you're in that moment where things are just crazy and you take that bite of chocolate and somehow things are just a little bit better and at least the world seems a little bit better, right? Chocolate is a morale booster, right? And not only energy. It reminds you of your childhood too, right? Mm -hmm. Which is supposed to be the the best time of our life, right? That's supposed to be something that we look back on. So it triggers those memories. Yeah, I think that there's sort of a psychological effect to having something sweet in a terrible situation. That So I wouldn't discount those things uh, for survival. I mean, I know, and, and a very sugary type of commodity is also instant energy, you know, very high carbohydrates. Absolutely. Uh, so that definitely has its effect as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this before, I think, when you and Ivan did the video on... Uh, go bags, you know, having some some real food aside from like high calorie bars that are just literally bricks of 
sugar and, and other ingredients, more or less. Uh, it's definitely a morale boost, actually having those kind of flavors, you know, in there and not just something to make you sustain. Um, it, it, it really does help you kind of get through things, uh, especially mentally. So, but yeah, it's also worth noting that, you know, with this canning idea, you, you can also can meats. So there's there's definitely a, a really psychological impact to cracking open a can and having some fresh fish or something or or deer or any type of you know meat as well. I think know. it's also a really great place to start. Um, I started out with canning jams and jellies. That's where I started, and then once you feel comfortable, you can branch out into other things like tomato sauces and soups. Like you can really kind of. You, you, once you get your feet wet, you realize it's actually not that hard. It's it's really not. It's really more about paying attention to the time and the in the recipe than anything else. And most of us can do that. Um, just so if, if you, any of you guys out there listening don't really understand the concept of canning, canning is just a way of preserving food without refrigeration. Uh, you're basically using boiling water, uh, either by uh, way of a boiling water bath where you're submerging the entire jar and its contents for a certain period of time. Or you're generating pressure inside of a pressure vessel uh, for an extended period of time to uh, kill off all the bacteria. The main thing is what you're doing is killing off all the bacteria that might be present in the jar and in the food product itself uh, and creating kind of a homogenous environment inside that's vacuum sealed uh, that nothing can enter and nothing can exit. And that's what keeps it uh, you know, shelf stable for the long long haul. Um, meats, like, like Jessica said, soups, anything like that, anything that you can imagine you can can, uh, save for a few select items that just really don't do well. They kind of turn to mush and baby food. Uh, but the majority of things out there that you could eat and enjoy, uh, beans, corn, tomatoes, um, beef stews, you know, all kinds of things you can put in a jar and you can put some heat and water to it and you can, you can can it and you can keep it for many, many years and enjoy it. Basically what you're already getting off of the supermarket shelf. You're just, Absolutely. It's coming from your garden or someone else's and cutting all the garbage out of it. Absolutely. And all the sodium too. There's a lot of salt oh, in the yeah. processed foods and things like that. And it, in preservatives. Yeah. In commercial canned items. Uh, and you cut a lot of that out. Um, you're, you're literally preserving it by the heat process. Uh, it's it, sometimes the big companies, they have to put those preservatives in there uh, just to be sure that their process was adequate and the preservatives kind of give them an extra layer of liability. I mean, liability is kind of the sure. name of the game in just about any industry these days, especially commercial and stuff. And you get into pasteurization. It's the same you know, type of idea. Same They're idea. trying to really like extend the life of you know dairy mm-hmm. products. Right? Absolutely. Right. Another great question that I would want to pose here is that, okay, once the jar is open, it must be refrigerated. It must be refrigerated. So the, the, the idea there would be, okay, this is a lot of jelly. Okay, now if I'm in some really horrible situation, I'm going to break this jelly open and consume some of it and say that I'm not in a position to refrigerate it. It would be a shame to think that such a large jar would go to waste you could, in theory, for like your go bag, do like maybe some little tiny miniature jars that would mm-hmm. be like a single serving for maybe a group of people. So if you knew that, you know, three or four people were going to be in your party, obviously, if you break open a, a little jar of jelly well then or jam, then you're going to consume the whole jar. So that's the only issue. Now, this is sort of an example of us using modern conveniences of refrigeration uh, in conjunction with the the tried and true method of canning. So... 
we have the luxury of being able to refrigerate these things and keep them fresh until we're ready to finish them off. But in a survival situation, this looks like this would be a lot of wasted product. Um, some of it would be. Most of the jars that we have here are half pint jars. Um, the the smallest that I would use uh, for convenience would be a quarter pint. Uh, so they're four ounces. And that would be an adequate amount for, say, three to four people, maybe five people to enjoy. Like, say, you have some bread that you made or whatever and you wanted to put some jelly on it. That would be enough to break open and use and you would be able to use all that at one time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about what your family needs are. Um, I tend to put jellies in the jelly jars. I usually call those jelly jars. Um, but that's, I think it's really just dependent on p- what what size family you have and what your overall needs are and also how much you have of something. I mean, I think that's the other part of it. <laughs> yeah, when I had two five-gallon buckets of pears, I didn't feel like doing like 40 half pints, so I did 20 pints. Right. Uh, now, if we're talking about like Jerry Michelik now, he eats jelly out of the jar, so I mean, he could probably go through an entire quart in one day by himself. And that's true. If you were so, going to do some like little tiny itty-bitty jars, that is a lot of jars to have to yes. account for. Well, it's a lot of time to pour it. And it's, it, a lot it of time. it's a lot of time processing it, too. Uh, people don't really take into account when, when they're talking about canning. The processing is a large amount of the time because you have to get the water up to a boil. You have to put your jars in the water. You have to cover it. You have to do it for a set amount of time. You have to wait for a little while afterwards to make sure that you're not pulling the jars out and exposing them to a, a real sudden temperature drop. And then you wind up with problems with sealing and things like that. And then you have to let them rest for 12 to 24 hours before you can even move them and, and store them. And, you know, after that time, you check everything, make sure it's good to go. Uh, within that 24-hour period, you can take those jars if none sealed, or if some of them did not seal, you can reprocess them within that time frame, and they're still safe. As long as they're reprocessed within about 24 hours, they're okay, because you're going to kill off any bacteria that may have uh, gotten back into the product in that time frame when you recan the jars And it's worth noting, too, that uh, with the metal lids, you have to reuse or you cannot reuse the lids. You have to use a separate lid each time you can. So they're pretty much one time use. So in theory, you could open this product, consume whatever you wanted to out of it, Mm -hmm. if I'm following you correctly, and add a simple campfire. Yes. Boil some water with a fresh lid and reseal it. Absolutely. You definitely could. For sure. Yeah, you just need a new ring every time. So you don't have to throw away your jars or throw away your rings. You keep you keep those, but you just need the new flat lids that have the rubber sealant on it. Now, so it's worth noting. That's good. Yeah, and there's some companies out there. I actually ordered some recently, but I have not yet received them because of, you know, the the pandemic and everything. Plandemic. Yeah, the pandemic. Big C, it's, little V. Yeah. So, Wrong. no, I ordered Tattlers. So I ordered some Tattler lids. They're a two-piece uh, arrangement. Uh, they have a, a plastic flat, but they have a reusable like gasket Okay, that interacts with that. And it does not have a memory to it like the uh, sealant that they use on like the ball or the care lids. So you can, you know, once you seal it and everything like that and you can your product, you just take the ring off and store them as you're going to use it. Use the, the product and then you can take that seal and just flip it over and reuse it the next time. And then you just kind of continue rotating them out and about. And they can be used for 20 to 30 uses without any sort of degradation. So they're a little bit more expensive. But I, I discovered them through an article that I was reading about, you know, reusable lids. And I found the Tattler brand. Uh, and I was I decided to order a couple hundred of each, you know, the small and the or the regular and the wide mouths to try. But it's been two months. They're just did really you buy it direct there. or did I bought you bought it direct? 
Yeah, they're man, they're up. just backed, they're up. backed up. I got an email the other day say, hey, we're still working on everybody's orders, but we are so backed up. They didn't really hire any extra help, but they've mm-hmm. had such a huge increase in demand for the product, just like everything else. Some sites are even uh, saying that they're out of 2020 production of ball jars, like yes. some of the big sites like Layman's and some of the other uh, big time canning sites mm-hmm. and, and prep, prepping sites and such. Uh, they just don't have the product. Yeah, every time I'm in a supermarket or a True Value or whatever, and I see them stacked up, I just grab oh, them. I do throw too. them in the. <laughs> I do too. I don't care what the price is. I just grab them. Definitely well, convenient uh, and- to be able to have some flexibility okay. to your canning procedure with the product like well, that. Don't go to Amazon because Amazon wants twenty five dollars for a, a dozen jars. You know when they should no. be about eight to ten dollars. So it's 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 a supply and demand thing. But if you're willing to pay that, I mean they are available, but. Anyways, let's move on to the next uh, jelly. Or actually, Let, this is a jam, I think. Let's go. And and tomato is technically a fruit. So tomato we're is all a fruit. We're in another fruit. All right. So my mother-in-law uh, kind of introduced me to this. I'd never really heard about tomato jam, uh, but she said it was kind of a, a thing that was a little bit more prevalent up north. She's from Pennsylvania, uh, from Amish country up there. And uh, she told me that this tomato jam is excellent on everything from biscuits to bread to pork and other meats. So, you know, you sometimes use like a chutney or some other type of uh, sweet spread on top of like a cooked meat. I had to kind of get that smells sweet and savory. delicious. So I've been told it smells like Christmas. So this it has... It smells like that Christmas. That was actually about to say. It makes right. me think of Christmas. So this is uh, Roma tomatoes that were uh, scalded and peeled and then diced up. They were cooked down a little bit. And it has uh, cloves, nutmeg, and cinnamon in oh, addition to the, the sugar. Is what's yeah, doing it, yeah. In addition to the sugar and the, the pectin that's added to make it gel. So give this a whirl and see Let's what you guys think. Christmas is in my mouth. Mm. Oh my god! Why do I have the urge to eat that on pork or something? I had it on some pork tenderloin about a week ago, and it is amazing on pork. Okay, I want the recipe. Okay. <laughs> that freaking, was. She's over there licking her fingers, y'all. Oh my gosh! This <laughs> is. So, I'm about to lick the plate, but I don't know that. We're- Damn. <laughs> Wow. I was really surprised. That's delectable. And yeah. it's not super sweet. Again, yeah. like that's the thing with the jams and jellies you get in the stores. They're always super sweet and you're having to balance out the peanut butter jelly ratio when you're trying to make a sandwich. And oh my goodness, that's perfect. Like you could eat that with a spoon and it's not it's not hurting your teeth. Yeah. My it's wife. not overpowering at all. No, yeah. it's not. You're tasting the flavor of the actual fruit, not not the sugar content. And you can break everything apart and there's a nuance like there's a delicacy there. Where you can you can taste you can taste the tomato mm-hmm. you can taste the cinnamon and like you, you get you can really have the separation there that's that's excellent well I, and honestly I didn't think I was gonna like yeah, it yeah so the nutmeg in that came out of the tree in my front yard I've got a nutmeg tree in my front yard so I I took the nutmeg from last year and I uh, grind it up so I, I use everything that I can in my recipes that I can get from my yard okay I mean that includes like my my raised bed with my herbs and everything in it. Uh, and you, you grew know, those tomatoes? I grew the tomatoes, yeah. Outstanding. So everything wow. in there just about, except, you know, the sugar. I mean, obviously, I don't have a, a sugar cane patch or anything, so I have to go to the store and buy that. But We'll let you off easy yeah. on that one. But, Bring it on, 2021. We're, we got this cannon thing down. Well, I make the joke that, you know, December 31st, the clocks are going to roll over back to 2020. It's going to be like Groundhog Day, but instead of one day, it's going to be the entire year. I rebuke you. We don't want to talk about that, though. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. 
Well, and in Mad Max, the movie took place in 2021. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> we, we very well could be sitting on a gas shortage and a, a complete uh, apocalypse. And we can ride around in uh, leather chaps and sawed-off shotguns and ride around and fight each other over fuel. Bring it on. I'm going to get in the fetal position and cry in the corner. <laughs> well, at least you'll have some jelly, you know. I have some jelly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. All right. You guys want to move on to the uh, to the pepper jellies? That's, That's phenomenal. Kind of, yeah, I think we should get into the first one because we've got a, a little ways to go here. Uh, we're, we're okay on time, but uh, I know that we, we are getting into the nuance of, of canning and things, and I'm sure I'm going to have some other random questions. I'm a bit of a canning noob. I know y'all are a little bit more, um, you know, in on that than I am. You know, and it's it's weird to think about back in the day when they used like lead tins to put food in and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like canning has come a long way. I mean, we, people, sailors, soldiers, militaries, governments, people, uh, pioneers have all tried their best to make food last, right? You know, salting and all of these things. So um, you look at around what, probably 1840s and 50s and on, like they had lead tins that they, you know, put food in and that gosh i mean that had to have been <laughs> well, not lead, good for you lead was used for a lot of purposes then just because it was such a malleable metal and it wasn't until the advent of modern medicine that you know we really discovered what the adverse effects of that were on the human body um and even going on up into the 50s and 60s uh when we still had lead in the gasoline i mean and that was a that's another story for another day but that was a big to do uh, the oil companies fought that tooth and nail um, you know, to make sure that they kept lead in the gasoline. I mean, people in, drank wine out of lead cups back in the day. They did. So it Fact. was just, you know, all the aqueduct or the uh, aqueducts in um, ancient Rome were made out of lead mm-hmm. you know, at the time. So, I mean, they were poisoning themselves, all the baths and things like that. They were literally poisoning themselves and they had no idea. So, like I said, another story for another day. Yeah, yeah. A little history lesson there for you. But uh, but what we're what we've got here is definitely um the, oh this the, is safe. Yeah, the most advanced yeah. version of canning so, that we we can you know have. everything we are consuming today is based on the the, the standard USD standards that are modern. Today. Right on. So let's go to our next cracker. All right. All right. So the next cracker is a standard jalapeno jelly. All right. So now we're getting into our peppers. Uh, jalapenos on the Scoville scale, which is kind of a, um, it, it's a scale of heat as far as the like capsaicin uh, amount in these peppers. So it's it's like how much misery you're going to uh, endure. When Boys, you I'm scared. It. Look, so I'm going to tell you, uh, when you make pepper jelly, okay, so you, you're cutting the hot peppers with bell peppers. All right, so in in these four pepper jellies, I used bell peppers to kind of cut down on the on the hot peppers a little bit and to get the volume up to where I needed it. Um, but the sugar really helps with that that heat. Okay, it really cuts. It's kind of like the same idea uh, uh, as as like milk. Okay, milk cutting into it, the lactic acid and such cutting into that capsaicin, it, it sort of neutralizes it. Uh, you know, people eat those hot peppers and stuff and they're, they're freaking out and then they drink milk like a gallon of milk at a time. Uh, same idea, but the sugar really tames the, these peppers. Um, and if you like spicy stuff at all, you can really enjoy the, the taste of the actual pepper without all the misery is the way I like to put it. So you don't put the seeds in there. Oh no no no. There's there's a lot of the seeds in there. But I don't the think the seeds are in there. the seeds are in that's here. the highest concentration yes. of the capsaicin is in the seed. Absolutely. Do I oh, need yeah. to sign a waiver? No. 
Okay. No, there's no liability here. So the the jalapenos are kind of your 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 bare bones. They're they're kind of like an every man's pepper. So these are like five thousand on the Scoville scale. And this is a pepper jelly that I've made for years and years and years. My grandmother has made for years and years. And typically, the way you consume something uh, like pepper jelly is on a Ritz cracker with cream cheese. So you've got a dairy product there already to cut the heat. And uh, then you put the pepper jelly on top and it's an excellent like hors d'oeuvre at like parties and such. And it's always a big hit. Uh, Jessica is not consuming the uh, dairy product. Okay. On these pepper or on, on these crackers. So she is getting the full brunt of the pepper sauce or the pepper jelly. Um, All right. Let's give it a smell. So, give it a smell. And these are jalapenos out of my garden. Does not smell hot at all. No. You only very slightly smell the jalapeno mm-hmm. like you could really have to try yeah so these are jalapenos and bell peppers out of my garden so go yeah that's really really good not hot at all no i mean very mild very you mild. know it's a jalapeno because mm-hmm. of the flavor yep. but you're not having any of the the pain absolutely right. so if, if you ate a raw jalapeno yeah it's going to be hot but if you're used to eating hot things, you know, hot peppers, hot sauces and whatnot. And you like, like Thai food, especially, um, you know, you're going to have a little bit of a tolerance built up for that sort of, uh, heat and jalapenos are just going to be edible. I mean, my uncle in Texas used to eat jalapenos just at the table. He would just, you know, eat one or two at dinner time and capsaicin as it, as, as a chemical compound is actually very, very beneficial to your, your health, your digestion. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. So, as a Texan, I like jalapenos, but I just don't want a hole in my esophagus. No, that's right. And you know, I think it's worth noting as well is that the Scoville unit unit system, as it's set up, is also set up. It 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 is sort of dependent on the environment that the pepper's grown in, the soil, the the acidity and pH level. I mean, all of those things affect the end level of heat that the pepper is going to have. So different regions will produce hotter peppers than others. And then of course, as we go along here, we're going to get into some genetically engineered freaks here that are probably not something you would ever find in nature. So we're kind of going towards that rabbit hole as well. And I believe uh, based on the beautiful orange color, ah, it's another thing in the podcast here that we have not mentioned. Uh, You know, we we've, we've smelled, we've tasted, but we also must see uh, for our uh, listeners, the beautiful colors uh, that we're seeing here in these uh, jellies. This orange, uh, I'm going to assume, is going to be a habanero. This is a habanero, yes. So okay. it was made with habanero peppers that I bought from a local farmer's market and uh, orange bell peppers that I bought from a local farmer's market as well. All right. Okay. Well, let's give it a uh, smell. So, I want to. Now ooh, I love habaneros. Uh, habaneros on the Scoville scale are kind of an average of about 150,000. So we're talking a pretty good increase in heat from your your jalapeno. Okay. So this is more of a a medium range pepper compared to a jalapeno, which is considered a kind of a mild pepper. And as a raw pepper. Um, habaneros is a hot raw pepper. It is. I use habaneros a lot. Um, I cut them in half and I use them in my fajitas. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll cook uh, with the pepper in there initially just to kind of get some of those uh, juices and some of the heat out of them. But I pull them out for the final serving. Uh, I just use you know onions and bell peppers and such in, in my final serving. But I like to get that little extra bit of heat and flavor. Yeah, or maybe like a pot of chili. Oh, absolutely. Like but it's just excellent flavor. It looks like a marmalade. How's the smell? It's. It, I'm not smelling anything crazy. All right, down the hatch. 
Mm. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's got a kick. So the flavor it's initially. Got you, it's, got a, it's got a kick, but it's still great. So the flavor initially, you get a little bit more of that initial heat, but after it kind of settles in, you feel that kind of slow burn, but it's not misery in your mouth. It, you can really kind of taste the flavor of the pepper, and it's just a, a mild burn, you know, because of the sugar content and such. I wish I, I wish I knew exactly what chemical process was happening between the capsaicin and the sugar, but I haven't really been able to figure that out. Maybe any of you guys out there would, you know, with scientific or chemistry backgrounds, would be able to explain that. Um, but whatever it's doing, it's definitely killing that heat a good bit. But and that batch, uh, so these batches of pepper jellies. Uh, I usually make six half pints. Okay, so that's uh, six eight ounce jar or yeah, eight ounce jars, and I used eight habanero peppers for this batch. Okay, so eight habanero peppers and two orange bell peppers. So it gives you kind of an idea of the ratio there. Um, but just excellent. And my wife, this is actually my wife's favorite pepper jelly. Uh, she loves the look of it, and she just loves the flavor. It's got that little bit of extra kick compared to the ha- uh, jalapeno jelly. Um, but, man, it's so good. Oh, it's quite beautiful. Uh, it, it's got a nice look to it. And uh, the flavor is delicate, and it does have a little bit of an afterburn. And I noticed that compared to the raw version of the habanero, it doesn't last nearly as long. You get a little bit of a burn. It, it's kind of like a joke. It tells you, ha-ha, I'm here. And then it's gone. It it's, doesn't last nearly as long as a raw pepper would. And I noticed that the the delicacy of what a habanero pepper is in terms of its flavor, it's a very distinct flavor. And I noticed that I can taste more of what my brain is telling me habanero is because of my previous experiences with habanero peppers. I believe it's the most pure taste of what a habanero pepper should be even beyond just eating habanero, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Mm. And then right now, I mean, just mm-hmm. in that amount of time, it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't taste it anymore. Yep. What about you? I mean, it's a little warm. So you still have that uh, the heat because you did not have the, uh, the yeah. cream cheese to kind of cut it a little bit. Right. Okay. But it's not hot. It's mm-hmm. just warm. It's there. Yeah, like I mean, it's there. It's a hint. What are you putting this on? What are you guys putting this this habanero jelly uh, on? What, what you see right here, this is kind okay. of usually how we serve it. Just so, kind of crackers mm-hmm. and yeah, crackers and cream, and cream cheese. cheese. We we have this sometimes as like a midnight snack, sure. so to speak. Because I mean, the only time that my wife and I get to spend any time together without the children is after they go to bed. Sure. So sometimes this is kind of like an after dinner snack, and I might have a cup of coffee or tea, um, and then we just enjoy a, a plate of. Pepper jelly and crackers. I have it on biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> you can put it on anything that your heart desires. Oh, my gosh. I bet it would be really good on a butter biscuit. Mm. And Oh, man. Oh, yeah, what is a little it? little butter on, butter on there. Mm. All right. So this next one gets into our oh, sort of extreme range. Okay. This is a ghost pepper jelly. So this is the, <laughs> forgive me if I say this wrong, the Butte Jalokia, I think is what, what the technical term is. I think is an Indian pepper. Originally, it's, yeah, it's a genetically yeah. uh, modified. Well, I, I'm not sure if it's a hybrid or not. I can't recall. I know that our next pepper jelly is definitely a hybrid, but I can't remember if the ghost pepper is actually genetically modified or not or, or hybridized. But uh, this one is uh, a million, okay, on the Scoville scale. Now, the peppers that I... I'm already crying. Right, the, the peppers that I made this from came from a local nursery and uh, the lady there. All right, one of the the colliers, 
that on the nursery, they grow these peppers because they are pepper fanatics. They grew them right out front. And I had mentioned, I said, Hey, can I get some like ghost pepper seeds? Can y'all order me some? Or, or do y'all ever have the, uh, ghost pepper plants? She said, well, actually I have several out front. You can just go and pick you some. So I went out front and I picked me a paper bag of them. And I wasn't really sure. This is a, the first time that I ever made a, um, a really crazy pepper jelly. I just kind of wanted to experiment with it. So uh, I only took four home. Okay. Cause I wasn't really sure what to expect. Uh, cause up until that point, I'd only made the jalapeno and the habanero jelly. So I took four ghost peppers home and I wore gloves and I wore a mask and I was getting all crazy, you know, with my preparation to make sure that I didn't touch my face or anything. Cause she said she was trying to uh, get the seeds out of them one day and she wound up with burns kind of around her mask uh, and then she had forgotten about her gloves and uh, she had touched some of the peppers and she rubbed her eyes and she was miserable for like an entire day. So like these peppers are nothing to be trifled with. They they can be dangerous uh, to us to a certain extent, uh, you know, not really. They won't cause you any permanent harm or anything like that, but they will make you miserable for a long time, especially if you touch some of the pepper uh, like in the the seeds and some of the skin and things like that. Or, you know, you cut them in half and you're messing with a utensil that you used and then rub your face. Yeah, you, can, you certainly do not want to yeah. get that near your face. You want to wash your hands after yeah. handling them. You'll, you'll feel it on your face or oh if you boy. like stick your finger in your mouth or something, you'll feel it on your tongue and your lips. And it, it's 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 bad. OK, it's not good. But but it's worth noting out of all these peppers so far of the pepper jellies and jams, I've. I've tried this one. It's it's, it's not bad. Yeah. So let's, we, let's give it a smell. It was funny. We were sitting around the table one day and we decided to try this and we were all expecting it to be just crazy. I had no idea because I, I tried the, I tried the jelly mixture itself when it was still in the pot and I, you know, I was breathing all that in cause it was, it was boiling hot, you know, and I'm like, Oh God, oh, like hacking and coughing and stuff. Um, but really the, the flavor of it is excellent. You can really taste the pepper and it's really not terribly hot. So let's so. give it a nose. The color is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It just looks beautiful on the cracker. And this is the first one out of the bunch that I, I kind of detect, okay, this this could be hot. Like it's telling like telling me, okay, there there may be some heat here. Well, you know, it's red. I mean, red means kind of like uh, you know, a warning, right? So it's a beautiful, you know, red color. It has some orange hints in there. Oh, that's it, hot. Mm-hmm. It just Yeah, really, okay. Yeah. All right, boys. That's that pretty warm. Yep, that's pretty warm. All right, I'm gonna go down yeah, the hatch. The whole do cracker, the full Monty. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, that's warm, friends. Mm. Mm. It has a beautiful taste. Like it's really, it's. I mean, it's just hot. Mm, I'm mm. sorry, guys, if I'm crunching into the mic. Mm. Mm. All right, so the the heat. From yeah, that's hot. The heat from the ghost pepper is much more immediate in the jelly oh than the habanero was. You know, I can feel it in my throat. I can feel it down my esophagus a little bit. Yep. But it's not, it's not misery no, in a bottle. No, it's not. It's not misery. Okay. So, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, I want a little sip of water. All right, yeah. you got your, got your little taste there. It's, it's warm. Mm. I'm gonna. Can we pause between dude, the next guy? We have to. We need a little talk in between that. Yeah, minutes. sure. We can, <laughs> we can pause. <laughs> All right. So what are you, what are you experiencing right now, Jess? So I mean, it's just it's just it's it's that, that, that it's hot. The other one was warm. This is hot and it burns. Let's but give the, it a second. The flavor is good. I think the we've reason we've met my threshold. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I think the the reason that it, you're you're 
feeling, feeling the effects that you I are know. is because, like I said, you, you're not eating the uh, the cream cheese with it. And the cream cheese, any any sort of dairy product with lactic acid in there, uh, really helps kind of neutralize or kind of counteract some of that capsaicin. Oh, yeah, that's um. <laughs> So tea didn't help y'all yeah. don't do tea. <laughs> that did not tea. help. Nope. Didn't help. But I mean, like even right now, the, the burn is still on my tongue, but it's kind of leaving my throat and such. I, I'm telling you like the, 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 I call these the extreme pepper jellies and uh, they're just wonderful. I, I just, I really love making these things and just, and giving them out to folks. I've given these to a lot of my friends and family and uh, they've, they've really enjoyed them. And I, I enjoy, you know, pleasing people and, I like exciting people's taste buds, so to speak. So, um, it's hot, mm-hmm. but it's got really good flavor, and it. I, I again, I feel the play, the flavor profile of the devil's toe uh, as being, you know, just not indicative of what eating the raw pepper would be. I've had the raw peppers, and they're they're hot as heck. Mm. But this is this is hot, but not. So hot that you're sweating, right? Like, I'm not sweating right now. And if I ate this raw pepper, I would be in a lot of pain. And I'm not. And you get just a little bit of a burn. You can feel it down in your throat. But it's instantly going away already. Like, I I, I feel like I could continue eating it or eat something even hotter, which we're about to do. Now, it's not so hot that it takes away from the flavor but I would say that this particular pepper is this this jelly is getting into something that you have to like hot stuff yes. to 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 get into this. This, a- this would not be a casual exposure for someone no. who's not a, uh, accustomed to hot uh, no, items. It, if, if a person does not eat hot spicy foods regularly, then a jalapeno jelly will be extreme for them. Um, but this is more for like the, the spicy, like pepper connoisseur who just likes to the spicy daredevil, the spicy daredevil. Um, but <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be brave enough to eat one of these peppers whole. I, I've seen videos of folks do it yeah. and it's literally. So, miserable. so this is for the, the evil Knievel of pepper, yes. ever, sure. pe- pepper eaters. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to experience a few little, you know, things like this, but I, I don't want to go to the full extent of the uh, extreme side of things. So. Well, speaking of the full extent, All the right. extreme side of things, we're going right. to go to the next one. So, the final one, the I final, the final jelly in our pepper flight. And I think Jess is probably going to sit this one out. Are you going to maybe like stick your tongue on it? Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to stick my tongue on this okay. thing, and I'm just we're going to do this because okay. I said I would. All right, she's going to so give it the old college try. I am. All right, so this is a Carolina Reaper Jesus. jelly. Now, Carolina <laughs> Carolina Reapers are a hybrid pepper. Okay, I, I don't recall what they are hybridized from, but this is the world's Hell. yes, probably. <laughs> so this is the world's hottest pepper, and it is anywhere between one point four to one point five to two point two million on the Scoville scale. Uh, most places that advertise these or advertise these peppers for sale, they state that they are two million Scoville units. All right, now that is double of what the last pepper jelly was. That that is hot. That is okay. four hundred times as hot as jalapenos. Four hundred times? Is that all? Four hundred times as hot as two, jalapenos. Two million divided by five thousand. Five thousand. Yeah. Five thousand Scoville yeah. units on uh-huh. jalapeno. That's, That's right. four hundred times hotter. That's pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. So these peppers are beautiful. If you've never seen them, they they have kind of a, a crinkly texture to them. They come down like you would see uh, like a bell pepper, but then they have this little hook on the bottom, like a little tail, like a little pigtail. They are gorgeous peppers, and 
they're just beautiful on the planet. They're bright red. Oddly enough, I mean, they look like the devil's heart. Dude, they're they're crazy looking, but there there are people that put these in different hot sauces and barbecue sauces. And one of my favorite hot sauces is actually one called uh, Reaper uh, Reaper Ache, I think Reaper Reaper Atch. But it's made from the Carolina Reaper. And uh, John and I are kind of big like hot sauce guys, and Eric is too. But yeah. boy, it, it's it's some dang good hot sauce. Jess does not look enthused at she all. She does not look happy. <laughs> it's like, what did we sign up for here? I, I said I was going to do this. Okay. Right, I'm so going to do this. I just ain't. Smell. I'm not eating the cracker. Though. That's fine. You I'm, can look. You can just take a little sample yeah, of it. I'm gonna. I don't think it's going to burn. Because my too mouth bad. is still hot from. Yeah. All right. So now this batch was made from seven. Carolina Reapers that I bought uh, oh, from you online. Can smell it hot, y'all. Uh, yeah. oh, it, it, smells hot. it smells hot. So I bought seven Carolina Reaper peppers. Uh, they were like eight bucks, you know, shipped. And then I used uh, two just red bell peppers that I bought at the store. Okay, um, but this is seven Carolina Reaper peppers in six half pint jars. So you're talking about about a whole pepper per jar of jelly. Oh. All right, okay. so let's give it a nose. Um, the color is absolutely beautiful. Yes, I mean it. It looks like um, we smushed up the devil's heart and put it on a now, cracker. There, now, to, to note, there is no food coloring or any other byproducts in these jellies. This is all natural. Okay, so mm-hmm. the colors that you see are what went into the jelly itself. So, are right, you ready? Down the hatch. All right. Oh, mama! That's the first time I've tried these. This is hot. Mm. We can still be friends, but I don't want to do this again. Mm. That's hot. That's mm. that's warm. It is so good. Mm. Like I said, to be able to taste the actual pepper, there is a distinct flavor difference between this pepper and that ghost. I mean, it is. It's kind of like removing the veil of the heat. <sighs> And getting just the just the nuance of what the pepper actually is, right? It really, it really is. Capsaicum, and like the seeds, and the capsaicum and the seeds of the pepper is like nature's defense mechanism. It is, right? yeah, for they, sure. They don't want an animal to come eat eat the you know <laughs> the pepper, so they make it unattractive to do so. Oh. Of course, Woo. us animals here are too dumb. We're going to eat it anyway. All right. So, like I said, mm. this is the first time that I've tried this. I, I was holding out. I've made this for uh, about three weeks. It's been made since the uh, since the filming of this or the the recording of this podcast. And this is some hot stuff. Yeah, this is some hot hot jelly. I can feel it on my tongue, mm. mainly my tongue. I don't really feel it so much in my esophagus, but my tongue is on fire, fire right now. Wow. Um, there there there's a party in my esophagus, and uh, and and the devil's invited. <laughs> Wow, that is some hot stuff. Woo, boy, I'll have to break that just on spe- or break that out on special occasions. Woo, mama, it's it's hot now. This this is the only one out of the whole batch here that I, that I kind of like. Okay, yeah, this yeah. Is, this has got some heat. Um, mmm, <sighs> that is so good. I I would totally eat that on a butter biscuit, no problem. All right, I I think that like I said that that would be kind of a special occasion thing when I, we had a party or something or get together it's like hey guys try this and sink your teeth into this but I think just for everyday uh, you know snack the jalapeno or the habanero is kind of where it's at because you don't get that crazy burn you get all the flavor and none of the repercussions uh, ooh, man that that is some hot hot stuff and this is just this is diluted okay this has got a lot of sugar in it and it's got the extra red <laughs> bell peppers in it 
This is some extra hot by two. Stuff. You put two in there, friends. Oh yeah, and, but all the seeds, like like we said, I mean, all the seeds are in here. I didn't I didn't negate the seeds. I so. think my cracker had quite a few seeds on it. It was the <laughs> devil's seeds. I may have fixed yours first because all the seeds floated the top. It's good. It's really really good. So. I guess that concludes our jelly flight. It does. And uh, we do have some other interesting ones on the way. Uh, I know that Matt and I are going to do one on... we got some moonshine coming up. So we're going to do a moonshine flight and also a tequila flight, Mm. of which we're going to have a very special guest in for that flight as well. So we'd like to thank Jessica of Combat Midwife for joining us on this flight. And suffering through this with us. She was a trooper. Thank you, gentlemen. Make sure you go over and subscribe to her YouTube channel. Follow her on Instagram, Combat Midwife, and also Combat Midwife over on YouTube as well. Um, Great lady, really smart gal, and uh, you definitely need to check her out. So uh, I am going to go cry in the corner, I suppose, in the fetal position. (laughs) And uh, guys, we post every Friday here. Uh, make sure you listen in each week for a fresh podcast over on Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit here. Please leave us a great review, and Matt will be returning. Um, but I guess this is the first one we've had uh, Chad in on. Yep. It was a lot of fun. We've been talking about doing it for a while, and I was hoping to do it with Matt because I wanted to you know, see his face when he tried that Reaper jelly because you know, after the, the Pocky Chip uh, challenge... He was he was crying in the corner for real. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna have to get some redemption on that. Yeah, yeah we we can talk bad about him because he's not here. Oh, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we, we'll we'll revisit this concept and we'll have uh, Jessica and Chad back on, obviously. So guys, have a great week and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Pursuit. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.